You see, before, only one could go in once. Now, he went in once for all by his own blood. Jesus' sacrifice for us, his life given for us. He goes in once for who? For all. Once for me, once for you. One time. He did it one time. And that veil, that curtain, that curtain that blocked us all, that barrier. We're talking about the flow of a river, streams in the desert. We're talking about water flow. There was a dam built around that water. And once for all, that dam was broken, open, crumbled. The veil was torn. And then just seven weeks later, seven weeks later, after this event, and literally the priest, that high priest that got to go in the holiest of all, was very likely in that space. Very likely in the space at 3 p.m. when he took his last breath, said it is finished, the veil was ripped open. Wouldn't you love to be that dude? Have a camera on that guy right then, right? His job, he just got fired forever. His job was over. Termination notice right then, boom. He never had to go to work another day. The promises for everyone and for all whom the Lord our God built. You think Jesus wants a relationship with you? That's his call. Why does this person keep calling me? I flip my phone over and they still call. Why do they keep calling me? Why does he keep calling you? Because he wants you. He wants to talk to you. He wants a relationship. He keeps calling us. Anybody else kind of dumb, get in your own way? Anybody else your biggest problem? Just a series of bad choices all piled up together? That's some of us. And some of us just have a pretty good life and don't need him either. We need him. And the humility, the humility to recognize. Recognize, I need you. I need you in all things. I need you all day, all night, weekends, weekdays, 24-7. I need you. And it is a surrender. This stream of water, this stream in the desert, this river of water that was promised to us wasn't just something that was supposed to be admired. Oh, what a beautiful river. Oh, how lovely. After church, we're all going to go over to Fairbanks Park and we're going to stand around and look at, oh, what a beautiful river. Like, that's not what it was. It wasn't to be admired. It was to be allowed to and welcomed to and invited to swim in it. It wasn't just something to step back and look at and take a selfie. It was meant to be engaged. You were meant to get wet. You were meant to be in that water. That water was meant to surround us. When we were born naturally, we were surrounded by water. And when we are born spiritually, we are surrounded. 
that is meant to be the case. You see, we worship the worship that we do. We worship from victory, not for victory. That is a mind shift that we can all embrace. If I come to church and worship good enough, praise good enough, sing good enough, pray good enough, then I'll be worshiping for a victory. No, 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 no. You see, it was already done. The victory is already won. It is the moment where we walk in and I say, I worship from a place of victory. From victory. I'm standing in it. I'm swimming in it. The river isn't far off. The river isn't far off today. It's flowing. And we are welcome to jump in. Our depth of worship, our depth in the river is determined by our depth of surrender. Our depth in the river is a direct reflection of our surrender. So, whatever causes a lack of surrender in your life, whatever it is, whatever it is that might be the hesitation, whatever it is that causes a lack of surrender, just, just throw the hands up. I was back there today at the sound booth talking to Arnick. We were working through some pre-service stuff. Some guy comes up, puts... What's this thing in my bag? Goes, get your hands up. Arnick's dad <laughs> held me at gunpoint in the back of the church. I'm like, what is going on here? He did. That's true. And I said, you'll do anything to get my hands up in church, won't you? You just whatever. Like, put your hands up. Is that what this has been all about the whole time? Right? That's surrender. That's surrender. You can do it like this. You can do it like this. Evan and I were talking last week. He actually shared it with the whole group. You can do it with your face on the carpet, man. Like that. That's what I do. I do that. I put my head. I stretch my neck out. Like I stretch it out. If you're going to take the sword and chop it off, go to it. I put my hands back here like this. I'm not kidding. I lay on the ground with my face in the carpet and I put my hands back and I stretch out my neck and I'm like, if you want to take this head off, go ahead. That's my surrender to you. You don't, he never has. But that's the posture before the king. I am empty. And you know when I need to do that? When I feel strong. I need to do that when I get cocky and when I get arrogant about it. When I think I've got what's going on and I get it. That's where intentionally I need to get in the river. I need to get in the river. I need to step out in it and do some swimming. Because whatever causes lack of surrender, that will be the only thing that separates us. Because that thing is what keeps us on the shore. There is a river flowing. That's the thing that keeps us on the shore. This passage about the river and the prophecy, not in Isaiah, but in Ezekiel. Arnie, can you fill it up there for me? In Ezekiel 47, there's the story of a vision. And it was the temple. And out of the temple, the water flowed. 
a, a, a river of water began to flow. He walked to the east with a measuring tape. This is the angel that came to the prophet. And he, he measured 1,500 feet. That's 500 yards. Leading me through water that was ankle deep. Surrender. Ankle deep. Visualize it. Come on. Fort Lauderdale. Come on, Destin, Florida. Come on, get from here. Visualize it, right? Next, please. Next verse. He measured off another 1,500 feet, leading me through water. That was what? He measured off another 1,500 feet, leading me through water that was waste. We have a funny story at our house. I like the mountains. Melinda loves the beach. We go to the beach. <laughs> sitting at the beach, and Emma's a toddler. I mean, she's little, you know, she's three or four or something. I mean, she's a little weird. But, you know, this little kid, she's always a toddler to me, right? So she's, whatever. She's, she's this little kid out there sitting, you know, and the waves lap up, and sometimes they hit her, her leg, you know, and they'll stand and all that. And then she wants to sit by a little bit more and stand and hit her in the knees, you know. And at one point, we're watching this whole thing, and Melinda says, isn't this so, isn't this so wonderful? She's reading the book. She's enjoying. She's got a little umbrella. So I said, it's nice for you. It's nice, it's nice for you because you're sitting there reading the book. I am being the 24-7 lifeguard trying to make sure that our child doesn't end up in Europe. That's what I'm trying to do. 24-7 lifeguard. I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. Don't get needy. Let me tell you what the Lord's doing in Andy Smith right now. The Lord is calling me to surrender my children. Real time, right now, today, the last several weeks, months. I was protecting. I was guarding. I was covering. Don't go too deep. Why? You know, it's dangerous. 500 yards, and I was ankle deep. Another 500 yards, and I'm knee deep. Another 500 yards, and I'm waist deep. And he measured off another 1,500 feet. That is 2,000 yards. That is over a mile. Think about it. Think about it. That is not this. And I'll get in the water. It is a mile. A mile of water. A journey. By now it was a river over my head. Water to swim in. Water no one could possibly walk You just let yourself go. It is the posture of surrender. And we can stay with our feet on the shore. We can stay knee deep, waist deep. But the call is to surrender it all. Go into the river. Continue, please. He said, son of man, have you had a good look? Did you have a good look today? Did you have a good look at the river? How it's flowing in this room today? 
Then he took me back to the riverbank, and while sitting on the bank, I noticed a lot of trees on both sides of the river. Keep this in your mind. A lot of trees both sides of the river. You see, trees don't grow up on the side of a stream. They don't grow up on a trickle. They grow up on the sides of the river. This water flows east, descends to the Araba, and then into the sea. Now, the sea, but that's the sea of stagnant waters. I will tell you what that is. That's the Dead Sea. This river that is prophesied flows into the Dead Sea. You've got the Sea of Galilee, you've got the Jordan River, and the Dead Sea. There is no outflow. It is dead. Salt, dead. You can live, this stuff floats in there. Nothing grows there. Nothing is alive there. <clears throat> That's the Sea of Stagnant Waters. And when it empties, now when the fresh water, come on about prophecy, come on right now. When the fresh water empties into that stagnant water, that sea, the sea becomes fresh. Can I get a witness? Stagnant water. Nothing growing. No outflow. And then what happens? Here it comes. Here comes that water. And wherever the river flows, you know what happens in us? Life will flourish. Great schools of fish because the river is turning the salt sea, the dead sea, into fresh water. It changes us. We're salty. It's dead. There's no life. There's no outflow. But that river streams in our desert. Where the river flows. Come on, say it with me. Life abounds. Where the river flows. Life abounds. Call into worship. The expressions of connection with God and spirit is because of that sentence. You see where the river flows. Life abounds. You're right here. But the river is not to be admired. The river is to be swimming. Fishermen will stand shoulder to shoulder along the shore from the Gera all the way to the north in Eglin. They cast their nets. The sea will teem with fish of all kinds, just like the fish of the great Mediterranean. That dead sea becomes as alive as the great Mediterranean. Now the swamps and the marshes, stuff that's kicking around ankle deep, marshes and swamps, what's happening there? They don't become fresh. They stay salty. You've got to have to flow. But the river itself, what was on both banks, remember? It's trees. On both banks will grow fruit trees of all kinds. Oh, can I just look at this crap? This is fruit trees of all kinds, all ages, all looks, all faces, all kinds. These, you, fruit trees of all kinds. You know what's special about those trees on that river? The leaves don't wither. And their fruit doesn't fail. And you know what else is beautiful? Every month, what a fantastic prophecy. What a fantastic, please get your hands around this. What a fantastic prophecy. Every month, those trees bear fruit. River from the sanctuary flows. Their fruit will be for food. And those trees that don't grow around trickles of water, they don't grow in the swamp. Those trees grow around the river. They'll be for food and for healing. That river comes out of the temple. 
I think of Acts 16. I need a friend to help me out here. Acts 16 is a story where Paul, I'll be Paul, and Silas. <laughs> Everybody needs a good, strong silence. <laughs> Paul and Silas are chilling in Philippi. I don't know how we would chill. We're not even going to try. So, we're chilling in Philippi, and this woman comes up. It was a female slave, the Bible tells us. And she had a spirit of divination. She could prophesy things. And so she's walking behind us while we're sitting having coffee at Federal. She's coming up behind us and looking in and going, These are servants of the Most High God who show you the way of salvation. Now, I always thought that'd be kind of a cool thing to have somebody follow you and do that all day long. But apparently it got on his nerves because he did it for just a little bit. And they're like, man, you see her again? And she just kept saying it, saying it several days. And finally, Paul just turns and says, he commands the Spirit to come out of her. The Spirit comes out of her. And that whole thing where she gave profit to the other guys through the divination and all that, and, you know, all those things, is over. Now that ticked off her handlers. And so they bring Silas and Paul to the court and to the magistrates. And do you know what they do to us? They beat us. Now I'm pretty sure that we just gave a deliverance to somebody. I'm pretty sure that's in one of the to-do lists. We just, we just cast a spirit out of someone and freed them and did them right and it got us where? Beat down. And not just like beat and bumped. Scripture says they beat us with rods. Think about that for a quick second. They stripped us of our clothes, which we will not do. <laughs> and they beat us with rods. And then they put us in prison. And they didn't just put us in prison anywhere, they put us back here. They put us in the deepest inner prison. You see, they set us way back in the back. Then they put chains on our ankles. And they shut door after door after door after door. Anybody ever seen those old Get Smart shows? At the end, doom, doom, doom. all the doors, like seven or eight doors back. And we are locked in and we are going nowhere. And we are beaten. And we didn't do anything wrong. You know what happens when you get hurt and you don't do anything wrong? You know what happens sometimes for people? They get bitter. They get angry. They feel like they're not being treated right. These guys are sitting in there nursing their wounds. My goodness, beaten with a rock. What time do you have? Maybe not. <laughs> Man, I busted up, dude. You think you could, uh, you think you could sing that, that song we did first thing early this morning? 